You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that So, pretty much nothing went as I expected, but the bigger question is, did it go the way that we wanted? There are only eight teams left. We got the Tennessee Titans, the Ravens, the Texans, the Chiefs. We got the Vikings and the San Francisco 49ers and then Seahawks-Packers. Well, first and foremost, with the Patriots out, best-case scenario, and I know I keep hammering on this, and it's not just the historic part of it. The Patriots, even in a down year, even when they're struggling, are just a team that know how to win in the postseason. They are the wild card. They're the team that just know how to take your soul away. With them out, it's it's kind of op- wide open because the playoffs are just weird, man. The one constant is the Patriots knowing how to win. Outside of that, there's no rhyme or reason to anything. I don't think the Minnesota Vikings are a better team than the Saints, and I know for a fact the Saints are a better team in New Orleans than the Vikings are. Guess what? Doesn't matter, does it? The 49ers are better than the Vikings, too. Guess who's going to win that game? I have no idea. And in a way, that works to our advantage. Because, again, it's not about being better. It's about find a way to win. And the Packers are the masters of find a way to win. And here is sort of the big picture on the Packers versus the Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. I believe Seattle is a better team than the Philadelphia Eagles. However, I think the Packers match up much better against the Seattle Seahawks than they do the Philadelphia Eagles, which I think is something that's kind of an underrated talking point. It always comes down to who's the better team. Everybody talks about who's the better team. Nobody ever talks about the matchup. I think if you wanted to, you could make a case for the fact that the Minnesota Vikings team is better than the Packers team. You don't need to, but let's just say that it is for the sake of argument. Because you could make that argument. They are a good team. Regardless, if we look back over the season and some of the games that we played, I don't think the Vikings were the hardest team to beat. There were some knockdown, dragout games, and it just kind of felt like in both games when we played the Vikings, regardless of how close the score might have been, it just kind of felt like the Packers were in control in both games. In the first game, it was close just because of a couple big plays, but they dominated that game from start to finish. Both games, you just kind of felt comfortable. I felt more nervous about the Lions and the Redskins and the Giants than I did the Minnesota Vikings. Now, it's only two games. That's part of the problem with the NFL is everything is small sample size. Even an entire season is only 16 games. And there's so much that changes over the course of a season. It's hard to have any kind of consistency or try to, you know, if you wanted to get a good idea of something, you'd run it out a thousand times or whatever, or or even something like baseball or basketball. Give me that number of games with the exact same kind of players, and you don't you you don't have 53 plus however many got added after injury and everything. No, it's just it's the same dude over the course of 600,000 games you get a pretty good idea of how good or bad a team is. That's part of the reason why we get to this point. Nobody knows who's a good or bad team. Again, we know everybody in the media has an opinion, and a lot of people in the media steal other people in the media's opinion. So the, the, the so, so it just builds narrative, and the narrative is the Packers are a terrible 13-3 and team. 
and they're frauds, and they don't belong, and blah, 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 blah. And one of the things that I keep getting messages about, what about this team being a fraud? What about that be- t- team being a fraud? And you know what? You're right about every single one of those cases. They're all frauds. Because most teams in the NFL are not very good. So most of the good teams who have good records beat up on bad teams to get good records. So there. But for me, when I, and I finally settled on it last night, I wanted to play Seattle over Philadelphia. Now, granted, with all the injuries going on, and I was kind of going back and forth. But at the end of the day, one of the biggest assets that this team has is their pass rush. When the chips are down and we need the defense to step up, you you look to guys like Preston, Zadarius, Kenny Clark, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That Philadelphia Eagles offensive line is one of the best in football. And, and, and not only does that hurt us in our ability to take over the game with guys like Zadarius. When, when we're down by a touchdown and we need the ball back, we need these guys to step up, and that's hard to do against the Eagles' offensive line. And beyond that, the Packers still do struggle against the run. We saw that against Detroit, who is not a very, very good run team, just absolutely runs straight down our throat. And that's with a mediocre offensive line. The Philadelphia Eagles dominated us because they won in the trenches. And again, you look at it and you say, well, we lost to a bad team, the Eagles. The problem is we're, we're so stuck on good team, bad team, we need to be looking at matchup. And the fact of the matter is, the Packers have been beating up on the Seahawks for a while now in Lambeau. It used to be Seattle just had our number. That's not the case anymore. The Packers have, in recent years, been matching up pretty well against Seattle, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're declining. Back when they had a defense that could shut down Aaron Rodgers, which was the way that you beat the Packers. You take Aaron Rodgers out of the game, and the Packers lose, and the Seahawks could do that every time. When they lose guys like Richard Sherman, and they lose you know, their their... A bunch of their defensive linemen, they lose all their safety, they lose their corners. Again, not saying they have a bad defense, but it's a, it's nothing compared to what it was. Suddenly Aaron Rodgers is back in the mix. Suddenly this isn't a suffocating defense anymore, it's just it's a talented defense that you can work against. And offensively, Russell Wilson is a wizard, but the Packers I don't think are at nearly as bad against mobile quarterbacks as they used to be. I mean, Colin Kaepernick was pretty much a a franchise-altering moment. What he did to us in the postseason, that was when Dom Capers and Ted Thompson said never again, and they started going from bigger, bulkier-type guys to leaner, faster guys, and they sort of got a lot better at that. Because it, it was every single mobile quarterback just tore us up. It didn't matter if it was Kaepernick or Vic or Wilson or McNabb. It just it doesn't matter. Anybody that has any ability to move their leg as an option, it was just like, oh, I don't know what to do. I mean, if you could somersault salt yourself to a first down, the Packers would just, you know, they were just lost. Like, where, wait, where did the quarterback go? He's supposed to be in this pocket. I can't find him. But I, I kind of feel like those days are over. I mean, mobile quarterbacks can hurt you more so than anybody. I'm not saying they're immune to what a mobile quarterback can do to you, but every team is going to get hurt more so by a mobile quarterback than a non-mobile quarterback. There's no way you would prefer it. Like, ah, this guy, he doesn't run, though. I wish he wasn't such, you know, so stoic in the pocket. Come on, run. That's when we come alive, man. Because we always have a guy spying the quarterback, and he's just, he's not doing anything otherwise. That's, that never is a case. So, obviously, I'm not going to unload the whole bag here on the Seattle Seahawks, because we got a whole week to look at this. But that's sort of my general feeling. The Packers just match up better against the Seahawks. And for whatever reason, the Packers do match up better against the Vikings. So, you know, again, it's it's sort of win-win. 
The good thing here is we get the matchup that makes the most sense at home. I'm not saying it's a guaranteed victory. It's certainly not. Seattle is a very good team. Russell Wilson is a wizard. He, he looked amazing yesterday. And it just goes to show why he's one of PFF's highest graded guys. I mean, he's he's able to scramble and run on the move and with pinpoint accuracy. Basically do all the stuff that when you look at Aaron Rodgers and say he's still got it, you watch Russell Wilson and go, oh, wait, no, maybe not not 100%. I forgot Aaron used to look like that. That's not what Aaron does anymore. Not on a consistent every play basis. Um, but on the other side of it for the playoffs here, you've got either the Vikings get eliminated or we have Minnesota coming back to Lamb. Now, obviously, the better matchup, the best case for us getting to the Super Bowl is for the Vikings to win. However, the thought of the Vikings coming to Lambeau and our season ending that way, and then the Vikings going to the Super Bowl all in one game, just the stress of that game would just about kill me. And I don't know if I could survive it. So it makes me nervous, although I know that's what I should be rooting for. And that's going to be the first game next week is Vikings 49er. So I guess kind of go Vikings but if they lose I'm going to be just super excited and also just nervous that you know it's not going to be easy for for those reasons again the matchup issue but anyways that's a separate discussion and probably that'll make for another episode is not only breaking down Seattle and actually maybe we'll do that a little earlier is look at San Francisco and Minnesota and then look at Seattle to try to get a better idea of what it is we want here and on the flip side obviously I'm, I'm looking for some kind of a miracle not that I really want to play Tennessee, but if Tennessee and Houston can win... Actually, you know what? Forget that. I don't really care about Houston or Kansas City. Neither of them super scare me. Actually, Kansas City might even be a better option. I know they're super scary on offense, but they don't they don't have a defense. But um, we're looking for Tennessee to do the Lord's work here and take Baltimore out of this equation. Because that's almost what we're, what we're dealing with now. It's sort of just, we need people to take out the good teams. And actually, the Vikings did that for us. As much as it hurt to watch the Vikings win, We don't have to play the Saints now. That's a good thing. The Saints are done. We don't have to worry about it. So really, this is just, as long as the Packers are still in the playoffs, every single game is a good thing because it's one more team that's just gone. The Eagles are gone. They're a bad matchup for us, and I just generally don't like them. Saints are a very, very, very good team. Probably they were my pick for the Super Bowl, for winning the Super Bowl, best team in the NFL. It's not exactly how I felt at the end of the season, but when that's your pick in the beginning of the season, it's not hard to stick with that team. It's still a very good team. The Vikings took them out. Awesome. Thank you. So yeah, if Tennessee wants to take out the Baltimore Ravens and the Vikings want to take out the 49ers so that we don't have to worry about those matchups, we don't have to worry about having to beat these teams that are basically unbeatable, yeah, give me some of that playoff magic, son. I'll take that all day. But anyways, before I elaborate too much here, uh, why don't we do our preliminaries, i.e. jump in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you're following the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. If you appreciate the show and want to support it, a five-star iTunes review and a Stitcher review, stitcher.com, just at the bottom of the page, you'll see a place to leave a review. That would be very greatly appreciated. Otherwise, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month, which is basically no money at all. It is about three cents a podcast. So if you can spare three cents an episode, it would be greatly appreciated. And again, uh, we're going to be giving away a t-shirt to my patrons, and one dollar is one entry. So if you want to give five, that's five entries, ten is ten entries, etc., etc. I'm sure you can do the math. Also, it's not just patrons. Anybody that's given anything over the course of this month via anything, and I've had people give in creative ways, I'll enter you for that dollar amount. It just won't carry over into next month's giveaway. That's just all that, all that means. 
So let's take our break and uh, look at a couple other things, I guess. This spring, if you're looking for something fun to do, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for the Cactus League Spring Training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventures, and incredible food, Arizona is a perfect home base for baseball fans. So whether you're in the area or if you're up by me and looking to get away and get some nice warmer weather, we're talking about 10 different stadiums, 15 different teams, and 75-degree weather. If you're a baseball fan, I don't know why you wouldn't want to go. Plus, it's a great way to meet players and get autographs and then go out with the family, go out with your friends, whoever you want to go out with, get some awesome food at some great restaurants, a ton of breweries, live music, museums, all that stuff. So plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. Go check it out. And if you did want to go down there, you probably want to look good while you do it. You don't want to look like a bum. So while you're at it, Maybe bop on over to MacWeldon.com and see if you can't get some nice, cool, breathable clothes. I know it's a dry heat, and it shouldn't be too bad, but still, it'll help. And although the material is super upper level, that doesn't mean that these are super stuck-up looking clothes. You can go on there and just get a regular old looking t-shirt. Great for sitting around watching baseball and then going out to a dress-down restaurant. One of the things I did get from Mac Weldon is a t-shirt, and I can tell you, just like everything else, it feels great. Soft Pima cotton slim fit, recovery collar, I don't, I don't know what that is, but you can Google it and find out, I bet it's awesome. And because it's vacation, you're going to need swim trunks, and guess what? They got that too, man. Swim trunks, swim board shorts, you know they got what you need, man. Just head over to MacWeldon.com. just do it, alright? I know it's January and you're not your best you right now. You got a couple pounds to shed, but you're going to get there. We're talking about Spring League, dude. That's like 50,000 months away. You're going to be like, you know, 200 pounds and jacked. We both know it. I'll come out there with you. We're both going to be ripped, man. So just buy it now for whatever your fighting weight is. And then, then you're committed. Then you have to lose weight. There's, You can't, uh, I mean, you spent the money on the, on the really nice shirt. You got to fit into it. So that's my strategy. All the clothes I buy now I can't wear because they're too small. <laughs> Time to do push-ups, fatty. You have no clothes to wear. So far, it's going all right. I made it a week. Anyways, MacWeldon.com. Get 20% off your first order when you enter promo code OVERTIME. Again, that's 20% off your first order. Just enter promo code OVERTIME when you visit MacWeldon.com. There goes my voice again. And they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you get to keep it. They'll still refund you. No questions asked. Just going to roll with it and pretend it's like a Hulk Hogan interview. All right, let's talk about the Packers now. Not going to lie, I'm... I'm I'm really not a big baseball fan. That kind of sounds fun. Probably because I just want to go anywhere right now. Like any vacation that's anywhere but here and preferably isn't cold. Like I just I just want to go right now. A friend told me he's going to Mexico and he's mad about it. I wanted to drive to Chicago and kick him. Like, dude, don't complain to me about going to Mexico right now. But anyways, one of the other relatively big components here, and I know, you know, it was basically the injury bowl yesterday, that the Seahawks got out of that game somewhat unscathed. I guess the biggest issue was Ziggy Ansah had a stinger yesterday, and they'll they'll monitor that and make sure that he's okay. He should be okay. Stingers, I don't think, usually last a week, but who knows. But beyond that, they're, they're pretty banged up as a team. By my count, they have 13 players on IR and an additional two players out la- just yesterday with injuries, including Dwayne Brown, which is a massive guy. I don't just mean his size, because he is big. But I've talked about how bad their offensive line is. Dwayne Brown actually isn't bad. Him being out is pretty serious. And then also Michael Kendricks 
On top of, of course, their running backs, they got Chris Carson is out, uh, Rashad Penny, Ethan Posick, CJ Procise, a bunch of other guys. I said 13. Actually, I'm wrong. 14, 15, 16, 17 guys, and Malik Turner was also out. So 17 guys on IR, three were out. There was a whole second section here. So yeah, they're, they're pretty binged and banged up. Granted, the, the vast majority of their super top-tier guys are still in, but this is a team that's not operating at full capacity, and they really needed to get out of that game healthy. And again, I'm, I'm comparing this a lot to a lot of teams are banged up right now, comparing it to the Packers. Unlike the Seahawks, the Packers have one paid. They have eight players on IR, including Curtis Bolton, uh, Raven Green, who is obviously designated to return and probably coming back, Malcolm Johnson, who, you know, I don't super know who that is, Cole Madison, which, you know, likable guy, but probably not going to end up playing much, uh, Yash Nijman, another same situation, Jason Spriggs, which actually I do think is somewhat of a blow, although the Packers have done pretty well in backfilling the tackle spot and uh, seemingly have found people that can at least play up to the Jason Spriggs standard, which I know that's a guy that everybody seems to really dislike. But again, he has taken some steps. Kind of a tough situation to assess whether or not we give him a contract because he's kind of taken steps in the few opportunities we've seen, but now that he's injured, it's like, how much do you want to pay the guy? Uh, Equinemius is on IR, and Lane Taylor is on IR. Lane Taylor is probably maybe the biggest... IR guy on here because he is obviously a starter caliber type of guy. Otherwise, you've got uh, Greg Roberts on pop. But comparatively, it's, it's there is no comparison. How many starters did I even name? Them? I think Raven Green is the only one, and he's coming back. And he's our maybe number three safety. You could maybe argue Equinemius would have been a starter by now, just based on how bad everybody else has been. There's a good chance, but you know, pretty much every single starter is is playing and healthy. Hopefully with this bye week, we got Danny Vitale and Jamal Williams and Will Redmond and, you know, the whole crew just ready to go. But I think one of the other somewhat at least promising things about this team is that they've actually been pretty terrible down the stretch. Um, You know, one of the things I went back and looked at the PFF recap of that game and they went a little bit more in depth and I actually kind of disliked how much in depth they went. I just wanted a little quick breakdown and rundown. But one of the things they mentioned is that Russell Wilson was, you know, he was making a strong case for MVP. And if it, if it wasn't for Lamar, I mean, you know, I don't know who else you really put, but Drew obviously also did a really good job. But he, he just, he played really well all season. But the comment that they had made, and I honestly didn't even know this because I haven't been stalking the Seahawks all that much, is that he kind of lost that case down the stretch. That he wasn't playing very well down the stretch. And this last game, which obviously I look at it and go, yep, that's exactly what Russell Wilson has done all year. Turns out it's not. He hasn't done that down the stretch. And actually, that was kind of like old Russ. right? That's what he looked like earlier in the season. That was sort of the magic Russell that had been missing. And, and when we look at since their bye week, which was week 11, uh, they beat the Eagles. 17 to 9 which again if we you know maybe they they don't match up well against the Eagles either which is possible but if we just assume the Eagles aren't that good of a team beating the Eagles 17 to 9 not that impressive they did beat the Vikings which you want to say is impressive because again I do think the Vikings are a relatively good team but then they lost to the Rams 28 to 12 so even that is kind of weird right you scored 17 points against the Eagles which isn't great then you score 37 against the Vikings which is awesome which by the way was at home so 17 on the road against the Eagles, 37 at home, 12 against the Rams in L.A., and then back to 30 against the Panthers. 
but then 13 against Arizona, and they lost to the Cardinals because they only scored 13. This this is very reminiscent of what we see with the Packers. It's just it's it's massive volatility. But I would say on a larger scale, especially if you look at their defense, when they beat the Eagles, they only allowed nine points. That's awesome. The Vikings scored 30 points on their defense. The Rams scored 28. The Panthers, who who are really struggling, scored 24 points. 30 to 24 isn't that close, but it's probably a lot closer than it should be for how bad the Carolina Panthers are. Then they play Arizona, and their offense stalls out, which, again, this is the problem. When you're a playoff team, you can't have this kind of volatility. You can't just stomp out a team and then lose to the Arizona Cardinals 13-27. to That's bad on both fronts. The fact that your offense, at home, by the way, this is in Seattle, the 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 Seattle offense in Seattle scored 13 points. The Seattle defense in Seattle allowed 27 points. Both of those are shameful, regardless of opponent. But when you're talking about Arizona scoring 27 points, that's kind of ridiculous. That's the third highest point total Arizona had all year. And by the way, they have probably the worst defense in all of football. They rank 28th in points, 32nd in yards on defense. And again, Seattle's offense could only muster 13 points against one of the worst defenses in football. Now, this isn't to say they're a bad team. We saw some of the talent against uh, the Eagles. We can point to it even here. Again, stomping out the Minnesota Vikings in Week 13. That's impressive. But then losing to the 49ers, and of course it's the 49ers. But look, they lost it because they just didn't look good. Down the stretch, I mean, that's that's as as much as I want to give them credit as being one of the teams that knows how to win in the postseason. They're a team that that's a very intelligent, right? They're very well run, not maybe so much their GM, who I just, one of the few people that has no respect for their GM, and I don't know why everyone does. But Pete Carroll is just, I mean, he's been around. He knows what he's doing. They lost that game because an, an experienced veteran quarterback and an experienced veteran coach cannot figure out how to close out a game. They had that game won. And they lost it just based on stupidity. They couldn't get a playoff before they got to delay a game. And instead of being first down, first and goal from like the two, and just pounding it in with Marshawn, who, by the way, is not looking good at all. Marshawn Lynch looks like garbage. Maybe you disagree, but this guy just, I mean, he's still strong, but he is so upright, it's ridiculous. He doesn't even get to use a lot of that power because he's straight up and down. He looks really slow. That is not old school Marshawn Lynch from what I can see. This guy does not look good at all. And so it's going to stink if he does actually have a hole and he meets up with just Blake Martinez because he's going to just steamroll Blake because he's still a strong dude. Um, but, I mean, it, it, he just just don't give him any kind of lane at all, and it shouldn't be that hard. We got we got about five seconds to close up the hole because the dude is just plodding around out there. It's almost painful. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the guy against the 49ers. I was rooting for the the, 40, the Seahawks against the Eagles. Both t- last two weeks I've been rooting for Seattle. And Marshawn is just, you know, as much as I'm like, come on, let's go beast mode, I'm just not seeing a ton of just elite level play from him. So at the end of the day, you've got two teams that do somewhat struggle with consistency. But at the end of the day, you've got a Seahawks team that was one for four in their last four games of the regular season. The Packers never lost that ability to, regardless of whether you want to call it ugly or not, win. They just win. Seattle played ugly against Arizona and got brutalized. The Packers played ugly against the Detroit Lions, the Washington Redskins, and you could say the uh, the Giants, but that's just dumb when you consider 31-13. But, you know, still, it, it it didn't look as good as we wanted. Guess what? 31-13 against the Giants, 20-15 against the Washington Redskins, 23-20 against Detroit. There's no comparison to the last to, to going 5-0 in your last five games and the Seahawks going 
you know, two and three in their last five games. There isn't a comparison. And by the way, the Seattle Seahawks almost lost this game to a Philadelphia Eagles team, probably the worst team in the playoff, who lost their quarterback. They couldn't stop the guy. And look, the, the story of the Seahawks and Packers is very simple. The home team wins. That's it. That's the story of Green Bay and Seattle. The last time the, the Packers and the Seahawks played was in 2018 in Seattle. Packers lost by three. The last three meetings before that were all in Lambeau. The Packers are 3-0. and The game before that was in 2015. It was in January. It was a playoff game. It was in Seattle. The Packers lost in overtime. The two games prior to that were in Seattle. The Seattle Seahawks won both of those games. The game before that was in Green Bay. The Packers won that game. Since 2009, the home team has won every single time. The last time an away team won between these two teams was 2008. The Seattle Seahawks beat the Packers in Lambeau. So again, I'm not guaranteeing anything, but there's a lot of reasons why I'm looking at this saying this is the matchup we wanted. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed the score. They only scored 17 points. Against the 49ers, they scored 21. Against the Arizona Cardinals, they scored 13. This offense has not been clicking since they played the Panthers in in week uh, 15. Prior to that, they scored 12. Then they had 37 against the the Vikings. Prior to that, they scored 17. Since the bye, they've had two games where the offense has scored 30-some points. Outside of that, 17-12-13-21-17. That's four out of seven games have not even been 20 points. Now, here's here's the bottom line in my opinion if the Packers are at their best that is to say because what usually happens is when there's a close game like with the Lions you have guys just not showing up if 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 we got Kenny and we've got Zadarius and we got Jair and King still continuing to play fairly good football our corners are playing good our safeties are playing well I'm not talking about world beating I'm just talking about don't play terrible and Aaron Rodgers can can muster up a game that isn't terrible I think the Packers win this game eight times out of ten Right, the, the Packers' best right now against the Seahawks' best right now. Because, again, there's a lot of volatility. If the Seahawks play, you know, like they did against the Vikings 37-30 and the Packers play like they did against the Lions, Seahawks win that game nine times out of ten. I mean, it's just, it's it's going to be a slaughter ten times out of ten. I don't know, you know. But I, I just think the Packers are, are the pick. And I think picking against the Packers is dumb. And right now the Packers are three-and-a-half-point favorites, which isn't bad. But, um, yeah, I, I think putting your money anywhere else and... and um, not guaranteeing anything, but saying that the Seahawks should be favorites is just wrong. That's absolutely false. So, anyways, we'll take one more quick break and then look at a couple other things and we'll get out of here. And again, we'll do some more in-depth as the week progresses here. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So one of the questions I had received is, is there any possibility that uh, Jadavian Clowney is going to be suspended for the helmet-to-helmet hit that knocked out Carson Wentz? Uh, turns out not only is he not going to be suspended, it sounds like he's not even going to be fined for it. Um, from the pool report here, question, what did you see on the field and why was the penalty not called on that play? This is referee Sean Smith. He says he was a runner and did not give himself up. He saw incidental helmet-to-helmet contact. And in our judgment, we don't rule that a foul. Question, have you seen the replay after the game, and do you have any reservations about that call? This would go to findings and suspensions now that we've rewatched it. They said after watching it again, no, just based on what we saw on the field, we didn't deem it to be a foul. Question, so was the helmet-to-helmet contact incidental? Answer, from what we saw on the field, it was incidental. In other words, it's just a part of football. It was not a deliberate helmet-to-helmet thing. Now... Look, I'm not watching the replay, but I'm just reading an article here, which actually has nothing to do with that, and I'm seeing Clowney, and it's just a freeze frame, which, you know, you can always freeze a picture at just the wrong time. <sighs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess you could say he's trying to lead with his shoulder there, but his head is, I mean, his shoulder's going into his mid-back. So you kind of just know. I mean, you know, when you're playing fast, stuff happens, I guess, but I guess, in, in my opinion... He's going down. Well, he didn't give himself up. Okay, fine. But he's going down, so simply shoving him into the dirt is going to be enough. And you, and you give him a little shove. You're throwing your shoulder into his back, and you know your helmet's going to hit him in the back of the head. And his head is kind of, I mean, his whole body is angling down toward his head. So to say he's not leading with his head is its kind of difficult to make that claim, especially when your helmet is directly into the back of his brain stem. You know, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I just went back and found the video. He 100,000% tackled him with his head. One billion, ten thousand trillion percent did not leave. I mean, you can see what a leading with your shoulder gesture looks like. It's like your shoulder's leaving your body, right? It's like, oh, here comes my shoulder. He He just, it was almost weird and awkward how his head just kind of like lunged away from his body. Kind of, I mean, just do the gesture right now. If you're leading with your shoulder, your shoulder protrudes away from your body like it's trying to run away and drags your body with you. That's just what it looks like. Now try to do it with your head. It's like your head is leaving your body. Watch it. It was, it was so awkward and... Bl- Let me just, again, one time, just to make sure I didn't missee that. I'm telling you right now, these refs are full of it. That is, te- I didn't, I haven't seen that. I saw Carson once get knocked out, and I, I, I have not seen that. There is on YouTube, it's Jadavian Clowney, helmet to helmet hit on Carson Wentz. It's an eight second video, go watch it. I'm, if you're telling me he didn't try to hit him in the head with his head, you're a liar. This is a guy in the playoffs wanting to win that de- deliberately, as the court, and that's the other thing. Carson Wentz's hand is on the ground. Three of his fingers are bent backwards because they're on the ground. So not only is he clearly diving, clearly gave himself up. It's not a matter of, well, they started diving at the same time. Baloney. Carson Wentz's hand is on the ground by the time Jadavian even starts to lunge at him. And again, started at, at 
basically exactly one second. McDougald has his legs wrapped up. Carson Wentz's hand is on the ground. His, again, three of his fingers are touching the ground and bent backwards. They're so officially on the ground. Just to give you an idea of how much he's lunged already. Because you got to be pretty close to the ground for your fingers to be touching. And I'm telling you, at that point, Jadavian goes at him. And you watch this video and tell me with a straight face that he isn't trying to hit him. Not just with his helmet. He's gunning. As I have it freeze-framed here, he's looking. He's... He's a foot and a half away, staring at the back of his helmet before he ducks his helmet and tries to hit him in the back of the head. Dude, I'm, I'm telling you right now, the referees are full of it. And I hope there's another official review. And I'm, I'm forget what I just said. I don't know who this person is, um, referee Sean Smith. That needs to go up to somebody. That t- Give me your supervisor. Get him on the phone. Get him out here. I want to talk to him. Is there someone else I can speak to? Because this guy's full of, full of baloney. Jadavian Clowney needs to, at the very least, be suspect, be fined for that. And this isn't just me trying to get Jadavian out of this game. I'm fine, whatever. Let him play if you want to. He, there should be a massive fine for this. Massive. You cannot convince me on any planet this wasn't intentional. They showed it again from a different angle, and it, it looks even worse. He, he almost like does a cartwheel with no hands because he's trying to get his head to be the forefront of this. Sean Smith, dude, I'm I'm to the point right now. I'm I'm uh, that is such an egregious hit. I'm to the point where Sean Smith should borderline be fired for even suggesting it. I mean, you're trying to defend your guys or whatever, dude. Forget you, dude. Incidental, nothing. He is seventy percent of the way to the ground, and Jadavian clearly led with his head and seemingly was aiming for the back of Carson Wentz's head. If that's not a fine. Well, I would say the NFL is a sham, but we know the NFL is a sham. So what am I supposed to, you know, what do you say about that? That's, that's insane. That's crazy. I'm glad I decided to look at that. Otherwise, it would have been like, oh, it turns out it wasn't anything, and I would have been wrong. And, jeez, that's crazy. If you haven't seen it, I'm telling you, go watch it. Jadavian Clowney, helmet-to-helmet hit on Carson Wentz. That is ridiculous. 100%. And, and, and here's the other thing. Listen, it, you want to say, okay, I'm just a biased Packer fan who wants Jadavian Clowney out. Dude, if he did it to Carson Wentz, you think he won't do it to Aaron Rodgers? You think that his mentality isn't, we need to take Aaron Rodgers out of this game so we can win? Of course he's going to try. He's going to go for his knees. He's going to go for his head. If he's willing to deliberately hit a guy on the back of the head with the, with the top of his head to knock him out of a game so that they can move on, of course he's going to try to take Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones. If he has a shot to take a hit on Devontae, he's going to do it. I don't want him playing. If he's going to play like that, no. And if I'm Matt LaFleur and if I'm Aaron Rodgers and if I, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to Mark Murphy and I'm saying you need to call the league office and you need to have this fixed because I don't want him cut. He needs to, this needs to be addressed because it, it just emboldens him if he gets away with it. So if I see a quarterback diving, I can just spearhead him in the back of the head because, hey, he didn't give himself up, which apparently diving isn't giving yourself up. You know, you, you know, are you saying because he didn't slide? Because, again, 70% of the way to the ground by the time Clowney even starts diving at him. He's in a perfect plank position. Just picture yourself when you're doing a plank. That's pretty much what the body angle he was at. Maybe about three degrees higher because, again, just some of his fingers were touching. So if you're doing, like, fingertip planks, that's about where he's at. And then he starts diving using his head first. No, he, no. Hey, Mark Murphy, you got a job to do, man. You got some phone calls to make. This, may, this needs to be addressed because this guy's going to be gunning for Aaron Rodgers. his goal was to take him out of this game, and he's going to have the same mentality for Aaron Rodgers. 
That's ridiculous. I'm glad I just happened to see that picture because it's like, dude, he looks like, that looks like he's leading with his head a little bit. That body angle is weird. Like he's pointing straight down and his head is buried into the back of his head. That's kind of strange for incidental. And at the time of contact, the football is on the ground and his knees are on the ground. His shoulder is a maybe about, you know, eight inches above the ground. So he's, he's, he's basically laid out flat already at the time of contact. Incidental nothing. I, I, I don't believe that. I'm, I'm pretty stunned by that being even a comment by a referee that we decided after watching it it was incidental. Nonsense. And the Eagles especially should be all over the phones saying, I want this guy out of the league. He needs to be suspended because that is a absolutely dirty hit. And by and here's the thing. We're, we're talking about two big things here. Number one is player safety. If we're serious about player safety, this should be seriously addressed. Number two, he messed with the playoffs. This this very well could have could have unrightly knocked the Eagles out of the playoffs, which is one. I mean, they're, they're changing rules because the playoffs are being altered incorrectly. And now you got a team that was eliminated, not because they were playing poorly, but because their quarterback got knocked out because of a dirty hit. How do you not address this? I don't know. I, I need to move on. It's just I'm kind of blown away that the refs came out and said, yeah, we watched it again. It seemed fine. Please, please watch it. And I want anybody to call me a liar. Because that, in my mind, even, it's, it's beyond blatant. But anyways, um... Some of the odds going forward in these playoffs, the the 49ers are opening as seven-point favorites against the Vikings. It makes me smile, but again, I kind of want the Vikings to win. Although, I think the best way to look at this game is just win-win. Just sit back and enjoy it. I don't want to go play the 49ers, but I don't want the Vikings to, to, to progress in the playoff. So just enjoy it. Whatever happens is just a glorious thing. The 49ers get eliminated and we get another home game, or the Vikings are out of the playoffs. And hopefully we're moving on further than the Vikings, and it's just another ha-ha. Um, the Ravens are opening at 9.5-point favorites against the Titans. That's absolutely insane. The Chiefs, likewise, are opening as 9.5-point favorites against the Texans. I don't know if I buy that one as much. That's a little crazy. These dumb autoplay things are just the worst. And then the Packers, again, 3.5-point favorites against the Seahawks. I, I, I think that's kind of crazy to have the Chiefs. I mean, I, I get it. The Chiefs are at home. They are a better team. And the Texans have some issues, but nine and a half points are basically the same team, just the Chiefs are a little bit better. Good quarterback, good number one wide receiver, suspect defense, although the Texans with J.J. Watt have a better defense. Whatever. Listen to these. Who wrote this? Will Brinson. Well, at least he admits that he doesn't know anything and he's a moron. Here's what he had to say about this. The Luck Bowl. The Seahawks play in close games and the Packers stumbled to the number two seed. No, you don't stumble. You can't stumble into the number two seed. That's impossible. You have to win, you know, 13 football games in order to get to the number two seed. Had they lost one more game, they wouldn't be there. You don't stumble. He goes on to say, Russell Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers is an excellent historic matchup. At least he can give credit for that. Packers pass rush has been nasty. Also true. Could be a major problem for a banged up Seattle offensive line. Exactly why I wanted them to go to play the Seahawks. Blah, blah, blah. Who cares what else he has to say? So, I mean, in a way, this is kind of awesome. The Vikings get the absolute worst matchup ever and are very likely to be eliminated. And if they don't, the Vikings come here. And, and, and again, listen, I understand the whole, like, do I want to play a Vikings team that just knocked out the Saints and the 49ers, the two best teams in the NFC, arguably. No, but again, matchup. For whatever reason, the Packers' defense has kind of had the Vikings' number. And if you want to say, no, it's just that the Packers' offense has played bad against the, the Packers, fine. Then Kirk Cousins is Jay Cutler. Either way, we win, right? <laughs> He plays poorly against the Packers. Okay, well, you got to come back to Lambeau again. 
to play poorly again. So best of luck to you. And basically as it stands right now, actually this isn't even updated. Let me find a different one. I had one that was updated and then I lost it here. So actually Odd Shark has it a little different. They've got the Packers as four point favorites. So thank you Odd Shark. I'm trying to find Super Bowl odds though, if you don't mind. I had one up and it was good news and that's why I wanted to tell you and then I closed it on accident. All right, here we go. This is from thelines.com. They've got three different uh, sites, I guess. All three have the Packers as the number four best team, which is nice. This is one of the reasons I like looking at Vegas odds as opposed to just media members that like to say stuff. Because you have to believe that people who are putting literally hundreds of millions of dollars on the line, possibly we're talking about billions of dollars when you talk about total betting on the line here, you know they're not just going to say stuff. So all the talk from guys like Will Brinson and whoever else wants to talk about Seattle or the, the Packers being the worst 13-3 and team and all this garbage, they've got all three of these places who have millions of dollars on the line by getting these lines set up correctly, getting these odds right. They have Baltimore number one, which makes sense, San Francisco number two, which makes sense, Kansas City number three, which I could understand, then it's Green Bay. After that, it's Seattle. After that is Minnesota. After that is Houston. After that is Tennessee. Now, granted, part of this is probably because of the matchup. Minnesota is facing San Francisco. That makes it more difficult. Tennessee has the worst odds, probably not because of the worst team, although maybe it is, but also because they're facing Baltimore. But regardless, the Green Bay Packers have the fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl right now. The second best odds to win the, the NFC. Minnesota right now is, is dead last by all three of these sites. So, Again, we can talk about how the Vikings are a legit team and the Packers are a fraud and Seattle's a really good team, but the Packers are a fraud and San Francisco's a good team and the Packers are a fraud. But again, go talk to the people who do this for a living, who literally their lives and their ability to lose everything and make millions of dollars depends on them getting this correct. And they're very, very, the best in the world work for these sites, work for casinos, these guys getting this stuff right is going to make or lose these companies millions and even billions of dollars over the course of the year. Betting is a unbelievably lucrative business. And so if you want the most unbiased look at who's good and who's bad, this is probably a good place to go. The best people in the world with millions of dollars on the line are not going to allow ego to get in the way. I don't care if they're Chicago Bears fans that hate the Packers. They're not willing to lose millions of dollars just to say that the Packers are the worst team in the NFC right now. And as of right now, again, second best overall odds in the NFC, fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl. I'm feeling good about those odds. I'm getting I'm getting pumped and psyched and psyched and all the words that get mushed together when you're too excited to talk, I'm all of those things. But uh, yeah, it's it's getting to be about time to get amped up. I don't I don't know the a proper amount of time because I feel like if I do it now, I'm going to flip out. And I'm just, I'm not going to, I don't know, productivity at work is going to be terrible. It's going to be the longest week of my life. But I might have to start listening to Green and Yellow right now. I, I've, I've abstained all year. That, that to me, is that song is special. It does not come out during the regular season. That is strictly a playoff thing. Maybe if it's like win and you're in kind of a game in the regular season, I'll bust it out. But, I mean, it's, it's definitely coming out this week. I don't know if it's going to be today or what, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely green and yellow time. I'll probably actually I'm gonna listen to it right after this because I'm 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 on the verge of like shaking. I'm getting so excited. Like it it just now hit me. Like dude, this is this is it. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go freak out real quick. You folks enjoy your day. If you have any questions, by the way, because again we're gonna start doing a little bit more in depth this week 
uh, for the rest of the week. So if you have any questions, things that you want me to look at, hit me with those questions so that I can add it to the list of things to do this week. And if you already asked me and you think I remember and I'm going to talk about it, I don't remember. I'm completely just memory dumped everything. Hit me up again. Otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.